This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get it going. It is a Monday, July 17th. Sportsnet today is live here on Sportsnet 960. Coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios on the first day following Stampede 2023. And along with me today and for the next two weeks. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. Buckle up. Get ready, folks. You know him, you love him. Aaron Vickers along with us. Mr. Vickers, hello. What's going on, Logo? How you doing, pal? I'm struggling over here, and it's not even stampede related. <laughs> I am used to, just to peel back the curtain, slightly, just slightly. Yeah. We can't give away all the magic. No. But I am sitting opposite where I normally sit. Oh, that's right. When riding shotgun with Pat Steinberg. And the one thing I've learned about Steinberg's chair is if you're not careful, you can end up 180 degrees perpendicular. I guess I'd be parallel to the yeah. floor. And the controls are on the left. They're right. They're on the right side for you. And so I'm learning all sorts of things about how not to sit on this side. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if those controls work. The 50-50, if you can adjust that chair or not. Oh, the chair? No, it's no. that's a write-off. I'm not even I'm not even going to concern myself with trying to sort out the chair at this point. Like I'm on the edge. It's like the old monster yeah. truck. We'll sell you the <laughs> we'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. I'm just more more concerned about making sure I can mute myself if I have to, you know, curse uh-huh. off air or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll keep you up to date on Aaron's. Uh, There's another chair situation. right there, there that could... I've been eyeballing, and I thought I'm... I saw it as we were coming out there. I'm like, that would be a bad first start if I'm like, I just. Headphones off, wander out, grab a chair, come back just, in. You would have been like, mid, just mid intro. How did they around. give this guy the other Man. chair right now? Literally and figuratively, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, our pal Aaron Vickers along with us for the next two weeks. We got you for Sportsnet today. Uh, going anywhere and everywhere across the sports world. Uh, Flames talk on hi- uh, hiatus, a well deserved break for one Pat Steinberg. Uh, obviously, as the NHL offseason continues, good time to get Pat. Some time off. He'll be gallivanting across Europe again uh, later on this summer. But we'll uh, we'll have Pat around if we need to uh, over the next couple of days. But we got plenty for you uh, on the program today and going forward. We'll start uh, with mentioning our outstanding producers in the other room. Taylor Dingman, Cam Hughes along with us. Excited to have them along. We've got lots to get to. We'll start with some Flames-related news. We'll also continue our NHL off-season reviews and bring Aaron Vickers into those. We'll dive in. To the Colorado Avalanche with Ryan Bolding. He's going to join us. Uh, we'll talk about the weekend that was in the world of sports. Lots going on. The Calgary Stampede had winners. Wimbledon finished up. There were some cool golf moments. We'll get into all of that. Uh, Stamps report with Patrick Dumas coming up as well. Stampeders victorious in a wild matchup against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And this week, me and Aaron will be taking you through what we're calling the best of the rest. Who is still out there for NHL free agents, and do you want any of them? We'll talk about that throughout the week today. NHL forwards. Some interesting names if they want to go to different teams or if they're going to be playing at all, Mr. Vickers. But I can tell you right now, it's not the kind of list that we're used to talking about in July. The results may surprise you, so make sure you tune in for that. There's a couple of just absolute gems that I'm certain would look great in red. Uh, so we'll get into that, but we start with the Calgary Flames, obviously the home of the Flames right here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, anything and everything Calgary Flames will be at the forefront of the program. And we start today, Mr. Vickers, going down the road of a pending UFA into next season who has apparently made a firmer decision, we'll say, about his future with the Calgary Flames. Now, to preface this conversation, we are talking about Michael Backlund. 
and an article that came out in Sweden sitting down with the Flames forward talking about his future. And I'll preface this again by saying neither myself or Aaron or I don't believe Cam or Taylor either uh, are fluent in, in Swedish. That's correct from my perspective uh, anyway. So we, uh, we did our best to use the resources at hand to find somebody that could give us an accurate translation. Now, this is an article that came out uh, almost seven days ago, but is really making the rounds, uh, at least on North American soils today, Aaron. And it's an article about Michael Backlund essentially saying that uh, as of right now, he's chosen not to extend with the Calgary Flames. And there has been contract discussions. Calgary has shown interest in signing a contract with him. But he is right now happy to come back, play the season. If it goes well, maybe he extends, maybe he doesn't. But right now, number 11, the longest tenured member of the Calgary Flames, is in the same camp, perhaps, as Noah Hannafin was, that Tyler Toffoli was, and that's thanks, but no thanks. What was your initial reaction when you saw this and we got our translation and uh, started to get into the details of this article, Aaron? Part of me was slightly eyebrow raised. Part of me is it's kind of par for the course. And I'll just read you some quotes from the story. Uh, these are quotes to Peter Hofstrom of VLT.se. I'm ready to come back and play this season. And if it goes really well, maybe I want to extend after the season. If it doesn't go so well, we'll see what happens. So first of all, that kind of what we maybe heard or expected to hear from Michael Backlund based on what he said in exit interviews where first and foremost, he wants to win in Calgary, but he also wants to win a Stanley cup and winning is the priority over everything. We heard him tell us that there's something there, I think to a certain degree in, in what he said there. And then the follow-up court quote, it's a tough market for trades right now. It seems likely that I will go back and play another year in Calgary and take it from there. Calgary has felt some pressure, perhaps. They have considered it, of course, but I haven't received a definite answer about what will happen. So a lot more of the same, but also a, a wrinkle of new where it's uncertainty. We're now talking mid-July versus mid-April, having these conversations, and I think it's a situation where here's another player that is a pending unrestricted free agent in 11 and a half months' time wanting to know more direction, wanting to know what's going to happen with the Calgary Flames. But the undertone is winning and a winning environment trumps all. And the interesting thing for Michael Backlund that I think separates him from the other two in the conversation right now, Vickers, compared to Lindholm and Hannafin is his age. I yeah. think that's the, the main deciding factor. And it's interesting because me and Pat, dove into this a bit last week on Flames Talk, and I brought about the point that if Michael Backlund isn't going to be back in Calgary and he's made that decision up regardless of, of what's happened during the season, comparative to Hannafin and Lindholm, I'd be okay with Backlund coming into the season still on the team, even if I knew that decision, because his value might be at its highest at trade deadline. Because I think that I think at Hannafin and Lindholm, I'm still of the opinion that timeline shouldn't extend into training camp. I don't think those are distractions you want. But on the other hand, I start to think of okay, expiring contract, reliable two way player, veteran presence, almost a thousand games in the NHL. Doesn't that sound to you like the kind of asset that gets valued very highly around the NHL's trade deadline more so than say the middle of July right now? I would say that it's certainly not going to diminish once you get to the trade deadline. And Michael Backlund's a guy that's given you 15 years of service. He's not, he's one of the leaders in the room. He's not coming in and is going to raise a stink or a fuss about why am I here? So on and so forth. I mean, in the quotes I just read, he's more than comfortable going into the season with the Calgary flames. And I think he's somebody, if you get further into January, February, and it's looking like there's not going to be an ability to re-sign him. And depending on where you are in the standings, you take a look at the trade deadline and go, he might be just worth just as much when that deadline hits as he is July 17th. Maybe even more so because now you're through three-fifths or you know three-quarters of his salary. It's not as if the Flames can't retain on it as well. So he's going to be mm -hmm. affordable to 31 other teams. And he's also most likely to be the best 
number three center available at the deadline for those teams that are looking to push. So if you can get three, four or five teams into a bidding war over Michael Backlund at the trade deadline, assuming that Michael Backlund has said, I'm going to test free agent waters come July 1, 2024. Then yeah, I'm I'm he to me I lump him in the same category as Chris Tanev, who's also a pending unrestricted free agent next summer. And again, you can only, you can play the what if game when it comes to injuries, and mm-hmm. I'm sure fans and management and and everybody else in between has done that. But I think the likes of Tanev and Backlund are just as valuable, if not more valuable, at the trade deadline as they are today. So that brings up an interesting point too that I'm curious for your take on, and that's. The fact that now, and look, we're still in the wait-and-see game with, with Elias Lindholm. We haven't heard that anything's changed one way or the other. Going back a couple weeks, Pat's had it that uh, there's an offer on the table. Flames aren't in any rush to push Elias for a decision, and by every account, we're still waiting for that decision. But I ask you this, and I, it's something that I brought up to you before we started the show, Aaron. Can this team go into the season – Assuming you don't get anything back on paper that an NHL level center Iceman's coming back, how does this team go into September if Backlund and Lindholm aren't there? Because all of a sudden, what we were talking about at this point, I mean, maybe not at this point, but later on in the summer, where we were talking about how deep it was with Lindholm and Kadri and Backlund, that could suddenly erode into a massive problem for your team down the middle. That's a hell of a one, two, three to enter a season with a normal season. Again, a lot of things went wrong for the Calgary Flames and the game is not played quote unquote on paper. But if you had slotted Elias Lindholm one, Nazem Kadri two, Michael Backlund three as an organization, you were probably thrilled over the moon about the depth you, depth you have down the middle. Suddenly, if you subtract Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund from that and to your premise of don't bring back an NHL ready center suddenly you're going into the season what Nazem Kadri is one Dylan mm-hmm. Dubé is two to me if you're not coming back with both of those guys it, it's signaling and it's a scary word in Calgary but you're signaling a rebuild a retool a reshape a reform whatever reword you want to use uh, to steal a Pat Steinbergism. <laughs> but I, I mean if you're coming in and you will pick through it in a little bit but you're looking at the unrestricted free agent crop and you're going hmm I don't know if the solution's there or not, and spoiler alert, you'll find out in a little bit. But if you're looking Nazem Kadri, Dylan Dubé as your one-two, no disrespect to either of them, I don't think you're in near as good of a spot if, as if you were slotting Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund. And I don't think that's a secret. I don't think that's no, shocking. That's no. not breaking news. Let's not interrupt the program. <laughs> but if you lose your one and three centers in the same offseason with no replacements, chances are you're going to be scrambling to find depth. And the problem is, and look, maybe this is a situation that goes into the season and they're fine with that with Michael Backlund, knowing that you can't take that kind of hit down the middle if Lindholm's decision is no, but there's just not a lot of NHL-ready options. Okay, Kevin Rooney probably has to find his way back into the the regular rotation, given that he's got NHL experience. Yeah, But past that, I mean, look at the guys that we're talking about. I don't... I'm intrigued to see what Connor Zary brings to training camp this year, but I would probably say asking him to take an, a regular NHL role would be a, a massive step, right? Yeah. Um, Cole Schwint is probably the same situation. It was his first year in the organization last year. Some good, some bad with the Wranglers. That would be a pretty massive step. I don't really know who else at the center ice position. I'll throw a wrinkle in this and I don't know how much I love this idea and you can shoot it down instantly (laughs) but Matt Coronado played a lot of center at Harvard this year and played fourth line center for Team USA at the World Championship and he touched he played both sides of special teams as well but he was used primarily as a center at the World Championship for Team USA in uh, Finland so is that an option? I mean, he's been penciled in as a right winger if he's going to crack this roster at all at age 20. But is he somebody you give some center reps to? Because and you'd have to give him very specific shifts. You would shelter him as much as you for can. Sure, yeah. But is he somebody you look to down the middle as well? 
fully understanding that the plan is probably to integrate him on the wing before anything else. And I don't know what the long-term future holds for Matt Coronado in terms of his position, but he does have some center experience. And if you want to get younger and you have a hole in your lineup down the middle, might be something to look at. I don't hate it. The The only thing that immediately came to mind when you mentioned that was he's the next option at, at right shot winger for this and team. And they've only got, if Lindholm goes... They've got what? Coronado and Walker Dewar? Yeah. Am I forgetting anybody? On forward, no. So there you go on that. Now I understand you can probably play Andrew Mangiapani on right, so on and so forth. You can sure, play there's guys. Coleman. Sharon Govich can play right. Yeah. Coleman's on the right. But in terms of right shot forwards, and that's assuming Coronado makes the team because that's yep, still a hurdle he's going to clear. The... But then you're left with Coronado and Walker Dewar. But yeah. you get your right shot center? For what that's worth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the tough one. It is. It is. Because what's the what's the old saying? You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Paul. That's kind of how it feels to me, right? And I, I, don't, I wonder how much Dylan Dubé would have benefited over the last couple of years if he was just given one area to focus As on myself. As opposed to three? Yeah. As opposed to center left that's, end, right? That's my, yeah. that's my biggest thing is people go, okay, man. Dylan Dubé is so versatile. I'm like, yeah, but I want Dylan Dubé to be really good at one spot. I don't want Dylan Dubé to have to, you know, it's a massive difference. Yeah. It don't don't think for a second it's as interchangeable as some guys may make it look. That change in between positions is really hard. Defensive responsibilities, offensive zone responsibilities, adding in faceoffs, which are, you know, hard enough against other teams' top centers. There's a lot that goes into changing that, and I don't know that right now, given the just massive valley that there is when it comes to right-shot wingers on this team. I mean, look, if you if you have to do it, you have to do it. I, I think I'd rather push Kevin Rooney back up and try to find a bigger expanded role for a Ruzichka or Dubé down the middle rather than doing that, but it's interesting, and it's interesting that, that Team USA used him in that sense. You'd, you'd, I think you'd really have to shelter him. But, I mean, if we're talking about losing two guys like that, you might not have a choice. You're going to have to look at some other options if you're Ryan Huska. Well, you would certainly, you mentioned a name that kind of perked up because he's almost the forgotten man in this conversation, but Adam Ruzichka. He would be auditioning for either a top six role and you have Dubé filling Michael Backlund's old spot or you have Ruzichka in a checking line role, which I, I don't know if I necessarily like either of them in a checking role because I think both of them should be in more offensive roles. Agreed. But it's how you slot. And if you think you can roll out three even lines, the responsibilities are shared amongst the trio of lines, not just, okay, your third line is your de facto checking line with, for, for just argument's sake, Ruzichka in the middle, Coleman on right, and whomever on left. Mm-hmm. If you want to balance those lines and then just roll three lines, maybe even a fourth young kids line or however however it's going to be constructed, you have that. But Adam Rizichka to me is the interesting one in the conversation because to me, he, he might be the forgotten man in terms of where does he slot and what is his future with the Calgary Flames. That would be an interesting conversation for later in the week to dive into Adam Rizicka because I don't know about you, but this year more than ever, I've kind of felt like Adam Ruzicka in a lot of ways has mirrored Oliver Shillington in a sense where there's been these moments before. And I think just if given the right opportunity, there's still that, uh, that option to, to burst onto the scene, whether it happens or not, I have no idea, but you're right, man. Is there a more interesting question mark for this team, given who may or may not be yep. here than, than Adam Ruzicka? I mean, if all of a sudden he finds himself, cause you're right. Uh, that checking line mentality, and we'll, we'll save this for whole thing for another day because I think it's a good conversation, but you're right. Is there a guy that when he's been given those opportunities has looked really good, and then when he's in the bottom six role, he seems rather disinterested and almost invisible at times? That's an interesting one to play with if you're the Calgary Flames. Consistency's always been his hurdle to overcome, and, and we've seen him do it, but sporadically and not throughout. And again, he's been... Bounced around a lineup. If you look at last season, he had 20 points in 44 games. I'm pretty sure 19 of those came in about 26 games when he was playing on the top line and and getting these offensive opportunities. And then, you know, if the 
consistency wanes over two or three games and he was getting punted down the lineup and, and out of the lineup altogether. So it's uh, depending on who's around in terms of personnel for the Calgary Flames, it could be make or break kind of season for Adam Rzichka wearing these colors. Some of your texts at 960-960. It's the fan feedback line. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Questions, comments, queries. Uh, if you want to know Cam's Monday night plans, you can absolutely do that. Uh, no. But some of these on what we were talking about with Michael Backlund and sort of the the ongoing questions around this Flames roster, uh, this text says, who's one of the only players that actually steps up his game when the Flames make the playoffs? It's always back. So that kind of goes to our conversation of if you were a trade deadline team looking to acquire, you know, a center ice position, Backlund probably fits that mold pretty well. Uh, Gary texts in says, no other team is going to have much interest in Michael Backlund. The only team where he fits in, he's turned down with his, I'll see how it goes. Trade him, a bag of pucks will suffice. Career-long, mediocre player, time to punt. Uh, Mike from Huntington texts in says, let's be realistic. If Lindholm and Backlund haven't agreed to contracts at this point, then it's pretty safe to assume they don't want to sign here, especially given the fact they've been offered, offered substantial contracts. Uh, this one says, uh, can Sharon Govich play center? Uh, he's I, been a he's been lauded as a three position player. I just I'm not going to sit here and and say I've seen him play down the middle, so I'm not sure how valid a a role for him playing the middle is going to be. If you know what, I'm sure they'll if they feel as if he can be a center, I'm sure he'll get a look if they're down two of them already. Um, uh, this one goes. Is there any centers in free agency where you can look at? We are going to do that a little bit later on in the program. We're doing the best of the rest. Uh, free agency edition this week. We'll start with forwards. We'll talk to you about uh, who might be out there. Uh, as Aaron said earlier, spoiler alert: don't get too excited. Uh, the list. I mean, there are some very some interesting pro- names. There's I'm just future not certain. Hall of Famers on the list that we're going to talk about today, Aaron. There are. That is not hyperbole. I'm, I'm not that is not a bait that. and switch. Nope, that's true. There's legitimate Hall of Fame credentials still available on the free agent market. Uh, this one, so stay tuned for that a little bit later on. This one says, bold assumption that Coronado can be a full-time NHL with one game under his belt. Aaron We're never, not assuming Aaron that. Aaron never said that. In fact, Aaron prefaced his uh, comments with, if he comes and makes the team out of camp. So, point And, to, to and also, Vickers. I'm not even sold on the idea of using a 20-year-old guy with one game of NHL experience no. down the middle when he projects to be more of a winger. I'm just saying, he showed really well at the World Championships, playing in a fourth-line role down the middle, saw both ends of special teams. And again, and fits a need this team need. so desperately has. I, I'm could probably, have, could, could have. have. Let's, let's could preface, have. could have. Could have. Very Likely few to have. guys shoot right on this team and shoot like he does. I'm not against him playing with the Wranglers. It's just it feels like there's a, a fit there. Uh, and two more before we get out of here. What does it matter if Backlund and Lindholm are traded? Who are the Flames actually going to displace for a playoff position? Maybe Winnipeg if Nashville and Vancouver don't approve. I mean, I have no idea what's going on with Winnipeg. until they I don't fi- know if they do. They're in the same boat as the Calgary what? Flames. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have Connor Hellebuck. I, Mark I, Scheifele, Dubois is already gone. I, I like what they got back for Dubois, but I mean, you tell me who's playing goal for that team next year, and I'll answer that question. Nashville is trying something different, but I don't know that they're actually better even, than that, they were. Is that a, a, a retool on the fly more than I don't a know rebuild? What that, I really don't know what that shuffling is. players in and out? It kind of feels like I have no bit. idea what Johansson and Duchesne out with O'Reilly and others in actually means for that team in Vancouver. I don't know. Vancouver hasn't done much. I have no idea if they've close the gap this year it's it's one to look at for and sure let's not forget it was a very very poor season in terms of delivery versus expectation for the calgary flames they still missed the playoffs by two points and they had what bottom five goaltending yep so yeah, again this will this will spurn yeah. into a jacob marstrom dan vladar dave sure. uh, dust david wolf conversation <laughs> Why did they have to bring in the German wolf like seven years ago? Because, my goodness, I'm going to so, mix up David and so, Dustin about so much, 400 times. So much hype. We'll have to start a jar for it. And uh, last but not least, I, I don't know the answer to this one. It's an interesting thought, but this text says, Huberto's a great playmaker, 80 assists just two years ago. How, about, how come nobody puts him at center? Looks like a natural, big body, good skater, smart. Like you, some guys have just never 
he might be terrible at faceoffs for all we know. He might not uh, defensively has never been the strongest aspect of Jonathan Huberto's game, and I would say that that probably I don't know how many out there that we could name, Aaron, that are just purely or even 80% offensively inclined centers. You kind of got to... Well, and the other thing, too, is, and he said this basically all season, he sees the ice best from the left boards, coming down the left side of the ice. When he was moved to right wing and he struggled, he admitted seeing the ice from that perspective was unique to him. He's never played right wing before in his life until this season, this past season. So he does all his damage from the left side. If you're having him go down the middle, I don't know if it's the best use of his assets and his talent. Uh, Keep the text coming at 960-960. We'll dive into the text line throughout the show today, but we will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. It was a busy weekend, not just in the city of Calgary, but around the sporting world. We'll dive into some of the biggest storylines from the last few days. That's coming up next. The Sportsnet Today continues with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers. Here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yes, Sportsnet Today is rolling on. Hour one continuing. He's Aaron Vickers. I'm Logan Gordon. Cam Hughes and Taylor Digman along with us. Chatted uh, some Calgary Flames and Michael Backlund just off the top of the program in case you missed it. I'll be up on the podcast as soon as hour one wraps up. Our fantastic producers get to work getting it to you wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, LinkedIn, wherever you get podcasts nowadays. I don't think Carrier Pigeon. On LinkedIn. Maybe Carrier Pigeon. Who knows? MySpace? Yeah. Uh... Hanging out in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios on a Monday. And thought we'd uh, take a second to look back at what was a very busy weekend. Obviously, the Calgary Stampede wrapping up last night. Congratulations to Lane McGilvery, the Dash for Cash, your GMC Rangeland Derby champion. Big old check, a nice new truck from GMC. Ooh. Lots of Canadian cowboys and cowgirls finishing atop the standings last night. They were just short, Vickers, of the all-time record of attendance. Second all-time this year in 2023. Not bad. So that's pretty good. I'd say for Especially the... Especially the weather. I was going to say, because of the weather, the smoke and everything. Uh, so congratulations to uh, all the winners yesterday on Championship Sunday. And uh, congratulations to everyone who lives downtown and can now get a peaceful night's rest before 12 a.m. <laughs> Was that directed just to me? Do yes. you know my backstory on <laughs> yeah. that? I don't, but I've seen enough pictures on your, uh, <laughs> oh, so you on saw your the story. social media, so I, I kind of get it. But I have a couple of friends uh, like you who are um, close enough to the stampede grounds. That or, you can taste it. Or close or- enough to tents that pop up in parking lots and... Uh, and look, I appreciate what our city does, yes. but at the same time are also very grateful that the 10 days have now come to an end. I won't name names. There is a tent that happened. Maybe I should back up. <laughs> uh, you can't live closer than I do to the Stampede Grounds and Scotiabank Saddle. And I happen to face west. Nope, I face south with a little hint of west. Yeah. I can sing along to every single track played at said tent till 3 a.m. So I should have just actually just charged like $10 cover at my door. Yeah. Had a party. I mean, it's a one bedroom, but we can pack it in. I've, I've, I've seen how busy that tent gets. There's <laughs> elbow to elbow. So I guess you could fill 50 or 60 into yeah, mine. Should have done that. And then sell like $12 beers, $12 <laughs> Coors Light. You'd still be cheaper than the grounds, probably. Oh, anyways, I do appreciate the uh, the fireworks, though, because I have a great view for the fireworks. You do have some A-plus photos of the fireworks coming from your balcony, that's for sure. From my iPhone 13 <laughs> mini. The greatest. It gets it done, man. Camera in the history It of gets time. it done. Um, I want to shout out Chance Vegan before we move sure, on from Stampede stuff, because he did not participate in the Dash for Cash. No. He just missed finishing fourth. He was in, what, the eighth and final flight on Saturday. 
through the mud and the gunk and the junk and finish fourth just milliseconds behind with a seven, seven, seven second penalty on top of it. He ran incredible outside of those penalties. Also wanted to shut him out because we played minor hockey together. Hey, and that's uh, that's, that's our, exactly what it, this program's all about. That, that's our guy on Sportsnet today. We've had Chance on twice for the uh, WPCA report because he's got two wins uh, on the circuit already this year and was flying heading into Stampede and probably would have been right in there. You're right, except for a terrible weather day. And you're yeah. right, you just you, you catch a wet a, part of the track. and There's a three-second sort of time difference between the guys in the fourth flight and by the time the guys in the eighth flight got to run just based on the rain alone, which is considered, we're not talking, oh, okay, well, that's kind of tight. No, three seconds is massive when it comes to that. So I wanted to shout him out. You know, he's he, our guy. He, he's we our love, guy. We love, some chance, we love some chance vegan here. Uh, so the stampede comes to an end, uh, mercifully for some, <laughs> uh, when it comes to their sleep schedules, mercifully for some when it comes to their livers. Um, but uh, overall, another great event here in the city of Calgary. Uh, also, we'll hear more about the Jays a little bit later on. Taylor will have another Jays report for us. But uh, pretty good weekend for the Jays when it came to their series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bases loaded, the 2-1. Swing and a line drive to the gap in left center field. Down for a base hit. Guerrero's chugging in. Chapman's on his heels. Merrifield speeding around the bases. He's coming home to score. The bases are wiped clean by Danny Jansen. A three-run double. Six to two, Toronto. The two-two, high fly ball out to center. It's routine for Kiermaier. He's camping, waiting, makes the catch to finish the ball game. The Toronto Blue Jays came out of the All-Star break, and they would not be denied. Three straight over the Diamondbacks. They start the second half with a sweep. Their high water mark is now a dozen over 500 with 53 wins. They've taken victories at 14 out of the last 20, and this ball club is rolling. Ben Wagner on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yes, another win for the Toronto Blue Jays. Eight and two in their last 10. They have reduced their uh, deficit on the Tampa Bay Rays for top spot in the AL East to just six games, also giving themselves a bit of a cushion over the Yankees and Red Sox in the AL East, and just one game behind the Baltimore Orioles who currently hold the second spot in the American League East and a really good start to the second half. Look, the Diamondbacks, uh, a pretty formidable opponent. They hold a couple former Blue Jays there. Uh, That trade doesn't look great for the Jays right now. Dalton Varsho. Hasn't exactly worked out how the Jays would have hoped, given what they paid to get him. But uh, the rest of the offense coming through strong for the Jays. They've won four in a row now. Got their run differential up to plus 44 on the season. And uh, now walking into an off day today, but back at it against the Padres starting tomorrow. And uh, some interesting options coming up for the Toronto Blue Jays now with uh, a couple of pitchers getting healthy, but Kevin Gosman. Uh, being uh, uh, dealing with some side issues, so we'll have to see how uh, John Schneider manages his uh, his pitchers over the next little while. Hunjin Ryu also with a strong outing in AAA Buffalo. So the Jays, I think it's one of those good options to have uh, oh, yeah. when you have too many pitchers potentially. Uh, you got to find room for them, but uh, good for them. They got a, a big win, series win yesterday against the Diamondbacks, and now. Taking on the lowly Padres uh, coming up tomorrow. So we'll Six games back at Tampa Bay. Time, it's time not, to push. It's not impossible. It's time to make a good put. Tampa's reeling a bit. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Uh, still a very good team, obviously. It's not going to be easy to catch them. But Issue is Baltimore, too, who's won eight straight right now, and Jays are behind them as well, five games. But, hey, yeah. starts with a run. Yep, 100%. And you're creating a bit of a cushion for yourself right now in that wild card spot, and that's – Kind of where you want to be. If you want to make a push for Tampa, you can't constantly be looking behind you at the the Boston's and the Yankees and Seattle the whole time. You got to kind of find that nice uh, in between. Uh, I don't know about you, but my uh, Twitter feed this weekend. Oh, I think I know where you're going, and yes, but I'll continue, please. Where do you think? I'm curious where you think I'm going. Alcatraz. Yes. Alcaraz. 
His nickname is Alcatraz. His nickname is Alcatraz. You're Carlos right. Alcaraz, you're yes. correct. Uh, with a uh, pretty significant victory at Wimbledon. Tennis doesn't always show up on the uh, on the Twitter feed in such numbers, but man, even Novak Djokovic had to give it to the twenty-year-old. Well, pretty impressive performance on one of the biggest stages. The biggest. Yeah, I, that's fair. I would say. Yeah, the no, biggest. that's fair. Wimbledon with the stars out. Grande was there. Brad Pitt was there. All the stars. You were there. I was not there. Oh. Unfortunately, you said stars. Wow, B list. You know what I mean. Rupe Hints. <laughs> was Rupe Tyler Sagan? Was oh those stars. oh those stars. Yeah. Oh, oops. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, also, did you see Steph Curry's good at apparently everything? Oh. What's he just shooting threes with a golf club now? Just that's real not easy. fair. Just real easy to be Steph Curry. Life must be good. Hole in one, no big deal. Making everything look easy that normal people find difficult. What a life it must be for Steph Curry. That was unbelievable. Great shot, by the way. I love the Sally. Like he's just he's fist pumping all the way down. But man, it would just it's like it's like Henrik Lundqvist, right? It's like be bad at anything. Oh, even just just a jerk is what that is. If you just oh step on step behind the three, uh, drain. Easy. Easy Par three, 180 yards, dropping it. No big deal. Just another day Uh, at the office for that guy. Come on. Unbelievable. Uh, Also, I'm trying to remember if this was the weekend or if it was Friday, but uh, AEW was in town. Yeah. So a number of our media cohorts were excited. Patty Dumas here was there. I think Ryan Pike was in attendance. I know our pal Brent Gibbs from the Calgary Flames. Mm Mm-hmm. Rob Kerr, some of those names there were excited. It's been a while since Calgary's had a premier wrestling event. Uh, I don't remember the last time. I'm not a. I'm, I used to be. I should have Klein on this uh, ready to go, but I can't remember the last time the WWE came to Calgary. So AEW was a pretty it's big gotta be deal. pre-COVID, right? For sure. Have you ever been to a show? No, I haven't either. But it's on the bucket. Like I'm not the biggest fan. I was probably in the late '90s when everybody my age was. But man, that's got to be a bucket list thing because it's got to be electric in there, and you just yeah, anybody who's comes, ever been yeah. loves it. If it comes to Calgary, it's one of those things that I'm like, I got to get tickets to go. Like I'm not, I wish I was at the level of like of of PK where it's like I got to get to a, a WrestleMania. That's all my. That's I'll probably never do that. But for sure, if it comes to town, even like when the UFC was going to come to Calgary, but then they were like, oh, the Flames might make the playoffs, so we're gonna hold off, and then. They went to Vancouver because yeah. they definitely weren't making the playoffs. Um, Felt like a bait and switch. Not gonna lie, there was a, that was a little bit of a tease. That's for sure. Uh, and we were all excited, and it was gonna happen, and then it didn't happen, and now we have to wait. God only knows how long. Uh, for they still owe Calgary a show, do they not? I think they do. They've talked about that, but again, another pre-COVID thing that nope. just Didn't hasn't go. come to fruition post-COVID. Mm. Uh, So those are some of the things that happened over the weekend. And uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Mr. Vickers, uh, but the Chicago Blackhawks today uh, officially pen to paper with first overall selection, Connor Bedard. Um, On his birthday, no less. He just, he turned 18 today, celebrates with what's going to be, well, what is a multi-million dollar contract. Not a bad way, although he's still underage in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this won't be celebrating. North, Van- North Vancouver. You can you can go ham today, <laughs> but not in Chicago, and I'm sure that'll stop them. Oh, um, I saw this today. We're starting to get point totals and goal totals for uh, Connor Bedard on the season. Yes. How are you feeling about the goal total? Do you, uh, want, do you know what it is? Yeah, you I saw got it? one. I'm curious if we have the same one or not. My, I, I saw 32 and a half. Yes. So we got the same number. 
That seems high to me. I'm going under. I texted a buddy who's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. And I went, I'm going under there. I just don't know who's going to... Let's let's not mistake anything. He's a generational talent. But he's also going to be an 18-year-old making his NHL debut. I don't know who necessarily he's going to play with. Taylor Hall. I don't know who's going to be the other guy. But 32.5 seems high to me. I'm curious your take on it. You mentioned high. Like, yeah. what, would you, what would you have set it at? I think I would have been closer to like 20... I would probably say like 24 and a half or something. See, I even would have went, when I asked you that question, I had to do the math in my head, and I went 27 and a half. Because yeah. he, he's got, and he's got a, already has an elite level shot at the NHL level. For sure. And I do, I do think that his, his total got bumped up in my mind when they got Taylor Hall, because mm-hmm. I think that's a legit guy for him to play with. But I also look at that roster and I go, you are going to see the hardest matchup. Yes. Every single night, you you can't shelter him on that lineup. Oh Not no! He's... Until you get somebody else in there, because right now uh, Lucas Reichel's down the middle, Jason Dickinson, and uh, Cap Friendly has Cole Gutman uh, as their four C right yeah, now. Cole, yeah, he... you know him, yeah, you know Cole, of course. Gutsy played minor hockey with him too. Of course you did. Of course. Right? So, yeah, you're right. There's no hiding him. There's no offensive zone starts 80% of the time. There's no... He's going to play 20 minutes a night. For They're sure. going to break him in at 20 minutes a night. And you are you are the focal point of the offense in Chicago. You're getting top pairing matchups. You're getting the checking line centers, so on and so forth. You're going to be tested if you're Connor Bedard. I feel 32 and a half is a little high. I would take the under on that. I'm curious what the text line thinks at 32 and a half, 960, But I've got to think that 33 goals as a rookie would be a spectacular Prince. success for him. What did Connor Connor McDavid do in his rookie year? I'm just going to I'm just trying to see what quick. rookies did last year, period. Like what Matty Veneers would have done last year. Did we have a 30-goal score rookie last year? I want to say no. No, that would have been far and away the... Uh, the call to runaway, which Beniers ended up netting, but I don't think he was north of 25. Beniers was 24. Oh, nailed it. 24 for Beniers. Closer than I thought. Connor McDavid in his rookie year, he only played 45 games, 16 goals, 32 assists for 48 points. I feel like the offense around Edmonton was probably a little bit more prolific than what the Chicago Blackhawks will have to work with. I don't even know if I would go. I would go under on eighty-two and a half total points as well. Oh, I, I think so for sure. Yeah. See, Wyatt Johnston and Matty Beniers twenty-four goals last season to lead the way for rookies, and twenty-one, twenty-two. Sorry, I've been corrected on the text line. Legal drinking age in BC is nineteen. So my bad there. Thank you for pointing that out. If he's in BC, if he's wrote, in if BC, he's, if he went to Chicago to sign the contract, it depends. We're we're nitpicking where he may be for even back home. He's still not there, so maybe. Well, <laughs> Stampede ended, so yeah. Timing he's, is everything, I guess. Still come and hang out. Um, twenty four has actually been the league lead for rookie goal scoring in the last two years. Uh, Tanner Janot did it in twenty one twenty two back when he was a member of the National. Predators. Now I will say this: Bedard's coming in hot. He's yes. not, and all due respect to the number two pick in what was it, twenty twenty one, Matty Beniers. Connor Bedard is next level to that. Okay, so here's here's a, maybe a better comparable then. Kirill Kaprizov, his rookie year. I don't even like that because he was twenty two or twenty three when he came over from Russia, so he had like five years of KHL experience. Also, at that only point. played fifty five games. How many goals? Yes, thirty. Twenty seven. Okay. So he would have hit the over on that had he, you know, he prorated out over 82. But again, I don't even go apples to apples there because Kaprizov was 22 or 23 when he came over. He played in the KHL for however long. This is the first pro season for Connor Bedard. 33 goals is a little lofty in in my perspective. But maybe I'm underselling him a bit. Like all all Connor Bedard has done is produce massive, massive amount of goals and points, regardless of his age versus the competition. Like when he's a 14 year old playing in Bantam, he was lighting it up. His rookie year in the Western Hockey League is a 15, 15 year old exceptional status playing against guys that are 19 and 20. 
off the charts. But this is also the NHL, so it's a little bit different. Now, the only guys who have even hit the 30-goal mark going back for rookies, Kubalik hit 30. But again, I think he was again a, few a little, years older. little older at that point as well. Uh, Kyle Connor hit 31 goals in his rookie season in 2017-2018. So I think he would have been 20. That sound about right? Maybe so. 19 coming out of one year of college. And then, of course, you have 16-17 where Lina hit 36 and Matthews hit 40. Okay, so those are better comparables. Line and Matthews both came over at age 18. Yes. Shouldn't came over, debuted in the debuted, NHL yeah. at, at age 18. And by and large, and they are on the level of Bedard. Line probably would have hit 40. He only played 73 games. But again, I think the Winnipeg Jets at that point and the Toronto Maple Leafs at that point had more to work with offensively in terms of teammates and what he could stack around those players than what Connor Bedard will have in Chicago. My feeling, anyway. Feel free to disagree the with The 30-goal mark is is a tough one to reach for a rookie. I will say that. Most of the guys that we look at on this list are guys that are over, surprisingly enough, Chicago finds them because uh, the next guy up on the list is Panarin at 30 in 1516 when he was over because he was a KHL guy. Yeah. And Eichel only hit 24 his rookie year. Nobody hit 30 in 2014, 2015, which was Johnny Gaudreau's first year in the NHL. He had 24 goals that season. And then, of course, even, even Nathan McKinnon. Who took some time to de- no? He took some time to develop into the the offensive superstar. There were a few. What about Nathan? How's Nathan McKinnon for a a comparable in that sense? Because those Colorado teams that Nathan McKinnon came into were equally depressing as far as lineups go, if I remember correctly. I don't hate it. I just went and looked at Austin Matthews because that's the most recent one. His rookie year, he led the Leafs in goals and points with 40 goals, 69 points. James Van Riemsdyk was second with 62 points. Kadri third, 61, tied with William Nylander. Mitch Marner had 61 as well. But those are like young slash rookie Mitch Marner, William Nylander. Again, the veterans were Nazem Kadri, James Van Riemsdyk. Connor Bedard's working with Taylor Hall and... If they want to move Lucas Reichel to the wing, but he'll get more slots, is probably their number two center. I'm just, I'd be very curious to see, like that 32 and a half. Upon yeah, first seems, glimpse, seems, seems unrealistic like to me, but at the same time, he's better it, than Austin Matthews was when Austin Matthews entered the league. Because it sure seems like either your high end exceptional talent to get there, or you're an overager who's gotten some pro experience and it yeah. helps you reach that point to go back to your nathan mckinnon comparable his rookie year matt duchene gabriel landeskog ryan o'reilly were one two three in scoring on the team paul statsny was fifth mckinnon was fourth so he's there already was some, on a better team he's than, already on a better team than, than, bedard, than bedard is yeah, i don't think we realize just how bad that blackhawks team is like they're paying Corey I mean, they Perry went, and nick felino eight million dollars just to get to the cap floor but this was this was by design. They oh, tore it, sure, they tore it they down want, to the studs because they wanted to have a shot at Connor Bedard. Well, they behold, still want somebody next year, right? Like they in terms like, of forwards. Don't you want a running mate for him next year if you can? If you're Chicago, yeah. In terms of forwards, Tyler Johnson is the second highest paid player on the team at five million dollars. Third overall because you got Seth Jones making nine point five on the blue line. But Taylor Hall, Tyler Johnson. Andreas Athanasiu are your one, two, three in terms of salaried forwards. Felino Perry. You've got Jason Dickinson, Ryan Donato. Yeah, like, I, don't I, don't know, know, I don't know. I don't know. He's going to improve them considerably next year. But like, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Chicago right now, I'm still sitting there thinking, okay, who is, is, am I getting Cole Eiserman next year to, to ride Max Celebrini, that would be uh, that would be something, right? Because although that would give you your one two centers, because you're going to play Max Celebrini. Okay, so you're probably going to play Mac down the middle, right? Whereas Iserman's going to be a winger, and if you have like Hellenius, right, someone like that that you can yeah. pair, and then you've got you've got Taves Kane 2.0. The reboot, the next, 
There's 10, a, there years. you go. I like that. It's a yeah. reboot. Yeah. We don't need rebuild or no. retool. We got Just reboot. Like suck. You might as well, might as well go get somebody <laughs> to play with the young man for the next uh, twenty years. Yeah, this is a uh, again thirty-two and a half is the line set big on number. Bedard. That's a big number. The when more we went back, the more I was like, ah, I'm pretty confident going on. But then again, me, look, if he shocks me and he goes over, I'm okay with it because it's going to be fun to watch. And let's uh, let's play this game. I'm going to spin it a little bit. Who scores more goals next year, Connor Bedard or Taylor Hall? Oh, now Connor Bedard uh, is Taylor's... probably more of a goal scorer than a playmaker. But Taylor Hall is going to put himself in a lot of positions and benefit from the fact that Connor Bedard is going to draw two defenders as soon as he steps over the blue line. Who are you taking there? Bedard. Even in the year he won the heart, I don't think Taylor Hall had 40, did he? Well, let's find out right now, shall we? His career high in goals. That was, he had 39 that year. Career high. Yeah. You give me more of a, a pure goal scorer, maybe. And uh, look, I'll give I mean, you, I'll say, give saying that, that he only that had 16 and 61 last year with Boston, of all teams. Yeah, as a third, third line guy ish. Yeah. Second, third, middle. He'll get, he'll get, I think he could probably flirt with 30 pretty easily. But do I think he'll, I don't think he'll outscore. I don't think he'll outscore Bedard. That Fair shot's enough. just too. It's too easy. Well, and, and and it's not just the velocity. It's how he can release it from like eight different sort of perspectives or point. Like he can manipulate his blade like no other prospect in history leading into the NHL draft where he can deceive his release. He can shoot through guys. He can shoot falling down. His backhand is ridiculous as well as his forehand. Like he's a, there's so many tools there. I just don't know about 32 and a half. I'd be, I'd be very curious to see how that plays out by next April. We can we can squash it at April because I don't imagine yeah. the Chicago Blackhawks will play into no, May. That's fair. I think that's I think that's a fair. Just guessing. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so it's a bit on uh, what's happened over the weekend and uh, the recent signing uh, of Connor Bedard to his entry level contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. We got to take a break. On the other side, it was a massive win for the Calgary Stampeders against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday at Mosaic Stadium. It wasn't exactly easy to get there if you're a Stamps fan. Uh, your blood pressure probably spiked a couple of times, but uh, we'll get the latest on the Calgary Stampeders following a big win in Saskatchewan. That's next. Patty Dumas got your stamps report around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.